0: You're listening to The Passionate DJ Podcast, episode 15. Welcome to The Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and uh, I'm very excited because we get to uh, dive headfirst today into the topic of SoundCloud and how to market your music there, the future of SoundCloud and where they're going, why there's a lot of changes going on in the SoundCloud uh, model. Um, So you've probably heard complaints from your fellow DJs talking about uh, the different changes they're making and how it's becoming very difficult to upload full DJ sets there and stuff. So we talk about uh, the monetization model that they're going to have going forward, how to promote yourself effectively on that platform, because it is still a very effective platform. And uh, we're going to dive headfirst into that. But first, before I get to that, I wanted to go over a couple of quick news items. Now, I know that it seems like I'm just like spouting out Native Instruments news constantly here. And uh, I don't mean to be uh, completely biased to Native Instruments, but they are doing a whole lot right now. And they're really uh, changing the game up, so the latest thing that uh, they've announced is that they are, they've are they come up with a new file format uh, that's called Stems. If you uh, are into production at all, you might be kind of familiar with the term Stems. Basically, what this file format does is it takes the full song, and it's actually uh, internally broken down into a handful of parts, so... You might have drums on one stem, and the vocals on a stem, and like the strings or pads on a stem, and so on. And then you can control all those levels individually. And it's all one cohesive file. Uh, it's an MP4 file. So as it stands right now, for, the file format's new, and, uh, but it is open source, uh, which is actually pretty surprising. I think that Native Instruments decided to do that. So this is something that other manufacturers can adopt for their own hardware. CDJs perhaps, um, I'm not sure how you would implement that, but um, other controllers, Serato, if they want to pick it up and so on. You might be kind of wondering now, what's the difference between this and say, remix sets, which are also a Native Instruments thing? Remix sets are a similar concept, but they're a little bit different. The main difference, the the thing that you need to realize between, say, a remix set and um, a stems-type file format is that when you, say, let's say grab a loop from the song that you're playing that's a a stem file, if you grab a loop, you're going to grab a loop for the entire song, so all the stems are going to be looped, if that makes sense. It's all linked together because it's all one song. So you can adjust the levels of the parts individually, but if you want to skip around in the track, go to a cue point, grab a loop, that sort of thing, that happens as if you're doing it to the entire song at once. It's a similar concept, but it's almost kind of a halfway in between from a full song and a remix set. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody else uh, adopts this sort of thing going forward. Uh, Native Instruments also announced their um, the release of their Control D2 modular controllers, which uh, they showed on a live stream during Ultra. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see. It's, it's kind of like uh, taking the transport sections and screens off of the Control S8 and just cutting them off, making them maybe the size of the Control X1, you know, just a little side controller that you put alongside your mixer, Um, but this would basically be, uh, I I don't want to say a replacement player, because you still need a laptop, uh, so it doesn't replace uh, CDJs, for example, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that, there's no jog wheels, uh, just like the S8, and that sort of thing, so interesting stuff, Uh, cool little tease that they gave us in that video, Uh, by the way, the stems format uh, will work out of the box with the Control S8. So just a little FYI there. So uh, we'll be following that, and uh, I'll let you know what changes as far as if anybody else decides to pick up this format, if it gains any steam. There is one thing that does concern me about the stem's format, and that's the fact that because you're combining multiple audio signals, it kind of negates your ability as a producer to properly master the track as far as adjusting your levels and, set and doing all of your, your post-processing and mastering to one exported stereo file. You can't really glue all your pieces together in that way and master the track all at once when you are actually providing a, bunch of, a multi-track audio format. It, that being said, we kind of deal with uh, some of that anyway as DJs, we're always looping and fading different various tracks on top of each other that weren't uh, quote-unquote originally meant for that but just something to be aware of that it could affect the output of the producer's mixdown we'll uh, try to keep up with that i'm sure that's something that i'll be playing with in the future so just wanted to pass that along now to the meat of our show today i am interviewing kind of an industry guru Um, I would say he's got uh, a lot of experience. Uh, He's only 23 years old, and he's uh, the owner of a pretty uh, successful label and, I I would say, audio processing uh, department. He does uh, mastering and and custom audio and that sort of stuff. Uh, It's called Heroic is the brand name, and Heroic Recordings has been seeing a lot of success. Uh, they got a great catalog, and it's super cool. But w- um, we talk a little bit about that, but what I really wanted to talk to him about was his book called The SoundCloud Bible. There's been a lot going on in the world of SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud has gotten huge. They have 175 uh, million subscribers at the time of this recording, and major industry music labels and, and such notice SoundCloud now because they're so huge and they're wondering where their royalties are when uh, DJs are uploading full sets or people are making bootlegs and edits and that sort of thing. And SoundCloud knows that this kind of DIY community that we've helped SoundCloud build kind of depends on us being able to do stuff like that. So I wanted to talk to our guest today about where SoundCloud is going, where their head's at, and how they plan on catering to people like us who just want to create music and have somewhere to put it and share it and build a following. We also talk about uh, how to do that, um, how to improve our presence at SoundCloud, how to, uh, just a couple of quick actionable tips on how you can just have better engagement with your SoundCloud profile and that sort of thing. And then I'll tell you how uh, how to get the book. Uh, his name is Booty Voked, and I'm super excited to share his interview with you. Now, I do have to give you a warning, because for some reason, uh, one of us was having trouble. I think uh, Booty's sound uh, sound card was dying as we were recording, but we had gone back and forth a handful of times trying to get this scheduled, and I really wanted to talk to him, because he's got a lot of great stuff to share with us. So we just went ahead and went on with the recording anyway and dealt with it, so And yes, I realize that last episode was all about sound quality and the irony is not lost on me, but um, you get used to it after uh, just a moment, so uh, bear with us if you will, uh, because there's a lot of great content in here, especially if you have a SoundCloud profile, and if you don't, you should get one after listening to this. So uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Booty Voked. So, all right, Passionate DJs, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today because I'm excited to present to you my special guest for Episode 15, Booty Voked. Now, Booty is a multi-talented industry expert, which is why I wanted to talk to him today. He's the founder of the music label Heroic Recordings and their full-service music division, Heroic Audio. And I'll, Booty, I'll let you come back and explain um, how that all works. But they offer services such as uh, custom audio, post-production, mixing and mastering, and that sort of thing and is also the author of the SoundCloud Bible. So, Booty, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me, David.
0: Now, I've kind of given our listeners just a brief overview, but I wanted uh, to ask if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and your experience in the music industry.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, so, I'm Booty Folks. I'm 23. Um, I run Heroic, which is a label-slash-agency uh, we push electronic music, typically fringe stuff, the kind of innovative sounds not restricted by genres. We do management, bookings, publishing. Um, so I represent Sound Holo, Art Patrol, Duct Tape, Doku. And besides that, like you, uh, like you mentioned, we have a division called Heroic Audio, for which we, we take our talents that we work with, with the label, and we do services to the other side of, uh, of music production so we deliver mixing, mastering but also compositions for commercials and such things
0: So do you um, uh, master all of your own releases and then you also offer like third party service okay. to do this as well, mastering mixing and custom audio and that sort of thing?
1: Absolutely, yeah I have a, a very talented partner who is called uh, Tim Vandorna and he's one half of DuckTip so he's, he's a musician as well uh, and he does all the mixing and mastering for both heroic releases, but also for third parties, uh, like Armada, and
0: et cetera. Oh, wow. Okay. Great. So um, I wanted to kind of take an aside here and and apologize. One of us is having uh, some issues here that's causing a lot of static. One of us is maybe having a hardware problem or a connection issue or something. Um, we tried to fix it, and it's not working, so hopefully it's not too annoying. But I uh, just wanted to apologize for that. But um, Really wanted to talk to Booty today because I feel like he's got a lot of of golden nuggets to drop for us, um, being that you've got a lot of experience um, from different sort of angles in the industry. How did Heroic come about? And maybe if you could tell us a little bit about uh, your approach to releasing music um, as far as do you try to maintain a certain kind of sound or, I mean, what what goes into your decision-making process and what's behind the, the marketing of your label?
1: I'll start with the story about how Heroic came to life, um, a quite organic process, which started about four, four and a half years ago when I was still in university, just starting out, actually, and uh, my best friends at the time had just discovered music production and SoundCloud, and I was at the time navigating the field for starting my own business. Unsure of what to do, but certain that I wanted to be my own boss and to be entrepreneurial. They made a first track, put that up on SoundCloud, which did ridiculously well for the size of the platform at the time. So that was a trigger for us to come together and say, like, okay, we have potential here. They started a production duo slash DJ duo. I started doing their management and bookings. And over the course of, say, two years' time, that led to me partnering up with the tour manager at the time of Sander Kleinenberg to start a, an agency called Heroes Management. Uh, we have then signed more artists to represent, so both for management and bookings. If we go back about two years, that evolved into a record label. As my partner, I had an opportunity to move to L.A. Uh, I bought him out of the business. We felt the need with the artists to have uh, the freedom to independently release music. Because by the time we'd had enough experience to work with bigger labels, right? Um, okay. And we noticed that with the online playing field, including SoundCloud, which we'll follow up with, there was a lot we could ch- take charge of, and for that to be enough of a kickstart to kickstart these care- uh, careers of these artists we were working with, that's how it all started.
0: So I love this. So you, used the label came first, right? And then, uh, or is that the heroic came first?
1: Yeah, so basically, my artists, whom are now called ducksmith they came first. That okay. grew out into an agency, which we later added a record label to.
0: Got you, okay. And, and so then, based on the success that you started to see initially on your label, is that what kind of directed you to pursue this sort of uh, SoundCloud marketing um, aspect of your business, uh, of your personal brand?
1: Well, I felt that, Just like with the reason for us to start the label, that there were so many opportunities that could be seized by startup artists, labels, industry professionals, right? If you only properly understood how to play the online marketing landscape, including SoundCloud. And with this initial success we have had, and not to say we've come anywhere near close making it yet, uh, but there was enough traction that we gained by playing this online field that I felt that there was space in the market to teach other people how to do that. And that's when I realized, like, hey, SoundCloud has been a great driver for us, right? Has put us in a position for relatively unknown artists to now start doing shows, get bookings, licensing, etc. And I felt like there was the need to uh, to spread that. So hence the SoundCloud Bible.
0: What's it like to run an independent label in 2015? I mean, what do you have to... Focus on how do you market yourself in this sort of technological sphere or uh, climate that we found ourselves in, where everything is very instant gratification, everything is going streaming, everything is, you know, uh, you look at your phone and you have access to anything that you want immediately. How does all that translate? I mean, do independent labels today have to operate differently than they have uh, in a historic sense? How do you find your audience? These days,
1: That's a, a great question. There's multiple variables, one of them being uh, what the genre is that you're pushing or the style of music, because that sort of dictates both your audience, but also has the audience dictate the mode of consumption. So, for example, we're in electronic music, mostly new genres, stuff that five years ago didn't exist, future bass or the, the revival of Deep House, right, with this new almost tropical house sound something that is is key to our our success is that we're really able to reach that audience within uh, the platforms where they consume it so for example we know that for the people who listen to future bass or to current deep house they're super active on spotify and soundcloud uh, most will be between 15 25 years old so that means that social media is a huge dimension of this uh, which is of course a strength we play to um, in terms of how to operate differently, I think we've all come to understand that physical is fading, that downloads are fading, and that streaming is going to be the next big thing, Sure. and that the whole business is now navigating towards finding a balance where monetization for streaming is reasonable, right? So sure. the majors and record labels are satisfied with the amount of money coming in and the payout they're generating for the artists. Whom are only getting revenue now through both performances and streaming. So that's the big industry trend. I guess our role as a record label as an indie is to um, use online to generate exposure for our artists, and then to provide the external services to be able to capitalize on that, so that when an artist is doing well, we're able to book him for a tour. And when his release is doing well, we're able to sync him to an advertisement
0: you know it's uh, there's a good example of this happening right before our eyes and that's the uh the transformation of beatport's main site into a streaming service um it makes me wonder you know what what does the monetization model for labels look like in the future if things really continue to go in the streaming direction which looks like that's where we're going mm-hmm. um do you think, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult already to make money, for example, only releasing music. Is that problem going to get worse, or is that the wrong approach in the first place? I
1: guess the first fact that we'll have to come and accept is that there's a minimal market for physical right now, because the only people who would still consume physical are either the very small niche of hardcore fans, or they're a demographic that is so old that they probably won't even have any interest in any current electronic music. Sure. So that serves to say that digital is the solution, right? And there's still a big market in downloads, so iTunes sales. But even that is a trend that's fading. And what you see is that, especially for the younger demographic, that consumption of music is primarily YouTube and SoundCloud, right? So the free ways Mm -hmm. where you could just search for a track, instantly get it, listen to it. I think, however, people are willing to pay for comfort, um, for having a big catalog, which for example explains why Spotify does so well. I see the challenge for artists being first making sure their content is available on all these platforms, then having the framework to be able to capitalize on whatever exposure they generate there, right? Mm -hmm. And a part of that is having a good manager, good branding, good marketing strategies. But from the industry side, I really think that the big trend will be, okay, so what is a fair remuneration for Spotify or for streaming, but then also on the on-demand streaming platforms. So for example, a SoundCloud or a YouTube, um, YouTube already has an advertising model. SoundCloud just just recently started it. I think also you're gonna see as the labels, especially the majors, realize that, hey, okay, all the consumption is going through these channels. We'll need to find good ways to monetize. They're probably in the coming years uh, we're going to find a medium, like a balance point, where the payout on even these free consumption plays, right? So, you just going to YouTube and listening to a track is going to deliver uh, a reasonable amount of money to start sustaining the upper layers of artists.
0: It's interesting because it seems like there's always this long delay before the industry catches up to where uh, the consumers are as far as consuming media. This is why I was really interested in talking to you because you and and your outfit seem like one of the few that are um, helping to develop those inroads and to be proactive instead of reactive, I guess, as far as, you know, when a system changes, it's like the entire music industry scrambles to figure out how to Mm -hmm. make it all work together using old models and old data. And sure. it's like it's changing so fast now that you can't really do that. It's like you need to lead ahead with where you're shooting. You know what I mean? Is it drastically different as far as one's approach to managing a label than it used to be? Or is it just different technology but it's the same attitude? Because it seems like there's this idea of make the con- the content available to the listeners um, as easily as and cheaply as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, grab their attention and then make them want to become your fan, you know what I mean, or the fan of the artist or the label or whoever you're promoting and not just to get a sale. And I, I imagine that kind of aspect has always existed, but is that mm-hmm. is that different than it used to be or is that – do you have any opinion on that?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a good question to mention as well. Like I think if you were to compare what we do now just in comparison to a label that existed 30 years ago, right? One thing matters more than anything, and that is the music, right? The actual product. So is the music you're pushing and the artists you're representing, are they good enough to deserve attention? The playing field has just changed, right? Um, We've all heard the saying that uh, Renman always says, uh, the manager of Incubus, he says, f*** the gatekeepers, which I think is uh, (laughs) a... a very good explanation of a trend in the industry, which is that you should realize that back in the day, the taste of the larger audience was determined by what was catered to them by a traditional radio, but also by what was available in record stores, right? Sure. Now, both radio and both these record stores, what they were supplied was in turn dictated by the record labels, and what was on the record labels was in turn dictated by the label executives, the A&Rs, the managers, so that meant that the availability of music was determined by these gatekeepers, right? So as a musician, you're, if you wanted worldwide success, you needed to get through to them so that they could get through to the channels where it was pushed to the audience. I think now the gatekeepers are gone. Everything yeah. is accessible instantly, which serves to do two things, right? One thing is, okay, there is so much supply that you really need to stand out if you want to get someone's attention, Um, which translates to us running a label, a lot of it, maybe more so than it used to be, has become marketing. So how can we do things differently, get people's attention, get these artists to stand out? I think another part of it is um, that we need to find ways to use these um, consumption channels, whether it's a YouTube or a SoundCloud or a weird marketing campaign that we can pull or, for example, we're developing a subscription model. We're trying to, to figure out, okay, so how can we do things differently? And especially how can you how can you form a relationship with your user? Because at the end of the day, that is another op- opportunity that's opened up. So instead of just getting that CD in the record store, we as a label can serve as uh, the people who help connect the fans closer with the artists.
0: So shifting a little bit uh, towards SoundCloud specifically... First of all, what kind of success have you seen on SoundCloud, Um, whether that's with Heroic or any other um, pursuits that you've had? Um, How successful have you been with this, and what kind of prompted you to write the SoundCloud Bible?
1: I think there's two good examples. First one being our our record label. Um, We launched less than two years ago. We just went over 25,000 followers, approaching a million plays on on our account, right? But I think that that diminishes in comparison to what we've been able to do with our artists on the platform. So, for example, one of our guys, SoundHolo, we picked him up about six months ago, both as a label but also for management, and um, he was making exceptional music, but not necessarily as originals, and had about 4,000 followers on the SoundCloud. We put out his ET and we started doing a content strategy with remixes and a lot of marketing involved. And within these six months, he's gone from this 4,000 to just over 100,000 three days ago, I think. Um, with some tracks going over 4 million plays, for example.
0: Wow. That's pretty amazing. See, that's, that that's really exciting to hear because it's a lot of DJ producers, um, or anyone else involved in the industry have this impression. And this honestly has been my experience with so-called digital labels, um, that they're just kind of basically just another gatekeeper that doesn't really have a purpose to exist. You know, they're like a means to an end, like we have access to get your music onto Beatport. So if you sign with us, this is your opportunity to get on Beatport and build Mm -hmm. your portfolio. You know what I mean? I think that what a label should be doing uh, these days is, is exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's artist development. It's uh, putting the music in the right places, and it's actually actively promoting it and all these things. And it's, I guess it's kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, People complain that because the barriers of entry to DJing, for example, have been lowered so much that anybody can do it, and there's a whole lot of people that do it poorly probably the same thing is true for labels. Now it's quote unquote really easy to start a digital label mm-hmm. and be terrible at it. So then you have all these terrible digital labels that don't do anything for you and it gives a bad impression. So I guess what I'm getting at is uh, thank you <laughs> for, for being um, what a label should be in 2015. And I hope that keeps on working for you.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I guess honestly what, what you're saying, there's a, there's a lot of truth in that. Like, just for labels, it's so easy to start a label, right? Just like as an artist, it's now so easy to start producing. I guess there's a big distinction between... We always talk about the noise. So if this were... And we have webcam on. The users can actually can actually see this. But uh, <laughs> I think if this is the amount of artists and labels you have, right? And typically at the bottom, you have like 80% noise. of people just trying to do it, but not so committed, not so professional... And only the people at the top have the potential to succeed who are looking at it like a business, who are taking all the right steps beyond the bare minimum. Because for a label, bare minimum is a distribution deal, a SoundCloud channel, social media profiles, and, and that's not what we're here for.
0: It's one another one of those uh, examples where it's easy to get started and hard to succeed because people don't want to, they, they go to it, be they gravitate towards that because it's easy. To get started, they're not willing to put in the effort beyond that. It seems, and it's, uh, and, and this is not just about labels. I mean, I'm talking DJs, producers, uh, photographers, or whatever your passion is. All you know, technology has kind of knocked open you know, busted open the floodgates on this, and so everybody can give it a whack, and then you end up with all this mediocre entries to that part of your industry.
1: Absolutely, but that that also has an absolute upside, which is that. Because the barrier is lower, the total supply is way bigger, but that also means that there's way more people who do a great job. I know I definitely know ten to twenty labels right now of guys like early twenties to late twenties who are helping artists succeed or artists who are starting to do international tours who just started producing in their uh in their in their attic six months ago. It's all it's all possible and that's super inspiring.
0: If I examine myself I, I probably wouldn't be into half of the things that I'm into had these things not been made accessible to me or even made realistic to me, uh, whether it's uh, technologically or uh, monetarily or whatever. All these things are all these tools and opportunities are available to so many people. But then, of course, you know, you've got a signal to noise ratio thing going there. But, you know, it's, it's like you said that the overall output is up, which means there's overall more better music being released. It's easy to get discouraged because you see so many people doing it, quote-unquote, wrong. It's just one of those, I think, where we have to take the good with the bad. <laughs> For sure. So what uh, are there any advantages to SoundCloud specifically over maybe other similar platforms? And overall, and then, of course, as it relates to a DJ perspective.
1: Absolutely. I think first and foremost, what helps SoundCloud drive is that it's focused on one type of content, right? So on YouTube, Mm -hmm. you have both video, but also sometimes video with the purpose of carrying music, Sure. whereas SoundCloud is just music. So it means that everybody who gravitates to the the platform is either wanting to consume music or is creating music and wants to share it. I think that serves to uh, generate more engagement, right? So the community on SoundCloud is typically very active and also... Also, I think a lot more reasonable than a YouTube community. So, if you have a YouTube video, there's probably a lot of shitty comments <laughs> of just random twelve-year-old kids, right? Right. Um, whereas for SoundCloud, you'll either get constructive advice, people sharing their thoughts on the track, what they like, what something else is you could listen to, would you like it? It's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or even blogs jumping in to to, to taste links of the content mm-hmm. they've written based on specific tracks. Like it's really um. A thriving community, right? That serves to rein- reinforce itself. I also think what's really strong about SoundCloud and what what has helped them thrive up till now is that it facilitated DJs to upload sets and mixes and etc. I think you might want to talk about this. So they've been operating on a DMCA loophole, which basically allowed them to have unpermitted content on their platform so long as they offered the ability for the rights holders to contact them. Um, and to take to take down the content should they want so. But in turn, a lot of DJs have flocked to SoundCloud, right? Because you could finally post a mix and do that and not have your video removed or your upload.
0: Yeah, but now SoundCloud's gotten too big for their britches, right? They've got, what, 175 million users or something like that. So now, now that the spotlight's on them, what, what does that mean? for the future of SoundCloud and specifically for, D- for DJs because DJs are the ones, uh, well, DJs and then people making remixes and edit- edits and bootlegs, they're the ones that are get- going to get nailed by these issues of uh, copyright and stuff for you know, people making claims and people using algorithms to detect whether or not they're- you're using copyrighted content in your uploads it's pushed some DJs away from the platform. And I'm, I'm sure SoundCloud is fully aware of what's going on and they want to cater to their own audience. So do you have any idea where this is all going?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm actually uh, I'm in Vancouver right now doing some okay. work with a company called The District. And they're basically a media company representing tastemakers, like Mr. Suicide Sheep or Trap City. You probably okay. saw them on YouTube at some point. So SoundCloud has just started SoundCloud On, right? their monetization model, so to say. Basically, the the trend that we've been seeing is is very logical. It's that they've grown so big that the rights holders are now saying, like, hey, wait a minute, guys, you're getting so much exposure, likely with a lot of our content, which you don't have permission to, we want to get paid, right? And SoundCloud didn't build the platform originally to have a, a business model that could sustain... A payout to these rights holders, even close to what they were expecting to get. Sure. So the past two years, there have been negotiations, Um, even SoundCloud offering the major labels an equity share in the business, so they would be incentivized by its growth, Um, which all didn't work out. Until half a year ago, when they launched SoundCloud On, basically what they're going to do is, similar to YouTube, they will be running advertisements on content by accounts, who have the rights to the content that they're monetizing Okay. and the users who then consume that content. So for example, you upload a a track, which you made yourself, you have the rights to, you're locked in as a premier partner and you choose to monetize that track. Now, should I be in the U S and come across your track in my stream or on your profile and listen to it, I might hear uh, hear an audio ad of five seconds by Red Bull, right? And then listen to your track and you will in turn get paid for that consumption they've started to implement a solution to this problem, right, where the rights holders are not getting paid. And at the same time, they are still uh, allowing that gray area use.
0: So if I, let's say I create, I upload a DJ set, or I create an edit, or however you want to frame this, and Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it's got a Kanye West song in it. Mm -hmm. Does this mean that, is this a situation where Kanye Kanye West o- uploads a track to his Sound SoundCloud profile? Anytime plays that he, anytime anybody plays that he gets paid. What happens if somebody plays mine? Does that mean that he gets paid because I'm playing his song and they're listening to it, or does that mean he can come to me and say, "Hey, you need to take this off your page because I'm getting paid for this"?
1: Right. It means both. Um, okay. The system is not so advanced yet that it will. Um, recognize other people using a track that you are monetizing. So, for example, if we are to monetize a track on a road page, but you were to upload that or use it in your set, it can't monetize that yet. In turn, what it can do is it can facilitate me to say, like, hey, David's using my track. He didn't ask me for permission. Not cool. I want to take it down. So it really depends on the policy that the rights holders have, right? So, for example, Warner has a big license with SoundCloud, so they're typically very lenient, whereas Universal, right, um, is a lot more strict, so they will actually take down tracks uh, should people not have asked for permission.
0: Is SoundCloud poising themselves to cater to, let's say, labels that are the size of Heroic, or is this only? Are they only going after the big established players like War- Warner and these big? Both,
1: ac- both actually. So, okay. so like I just said, right? I'm not, I'm now with the district. And uh, they're like one of the 20 initial partners that SoundCloud brought on to bring on premier partners.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Um, so it's still in a testing phase, right? They're basically, they're running the ads in the US. As that works, they're going to add geographical territories throughout the year until we're going to see the full world monetized, hopefully by the end of 2015. Now, what that means, of course, is that all these players, including the district, but also like big distributors like Ingrews, they are first bringing on their biggest clients, right? Who have the biggest catalogs get the most plays, so they in turn drive the most advertising revenue on these tracks, and accordingly, they bring in more people.
0: Okay, so this, this is uh, this is pretty cool because I, you know, I see you know, being in the position I'm in where I have an audience of DJs. A handful of them are complaining about the changes to SoundCloud, like everybody does. They did the same thing with YouTube and and anything that's had to evolve over the years, saying that they're going to. To bail on SoundCloud and try something else and what are the alternatives and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, I actually, if you go into my, um, my saved drafts for articles that I write for the site, I have one called, Hey DJs cut SoundCloud some slack that I started writing because I was kind of seeing the, the conflict that, that SoundCloud was having. Like, look, if you want us to continue existing and serving your needs, we need to make some changes because we're huge now. We're not just a little niche, yeah. you know, a little niche uh, service. Mm-hmm. A- and personally, I think the addition of a five or 10 second ad every now and then is the perfect solution. You know, yeah, I, and I, I, I mean, we, we've place. all gotten used to that. And, you know, people complained about it with YouTube, but now we all just expect that to happen. And nobody mm-hmm. stopped using YouTube because of that. Well, and,
1: I, I, I think you have to look at the bigger picture, right? Because, I think SoundCloud is genuinely run by a bunch of guys who are trying to do a great thing, and they're now just starting to become a really thriving startup. Agreed. I think the rights holders wanting to get paid was inevitable, and that the solution that they found is very reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you got to look beyond the ads, right? It, Yeah, what it actually means is it allows rights holders, whether that's Warner or, or whether that's us, an independent label, right, uh, with a few 20, 20-something guys trying to make a living off this, um, it puts us in a position where we can earn money from our music by other people consuming it. Yeah. It's a very fair deal, right? I think for all the naysayers and the people who are like, okay, so I can't upload this set with set 27 illegitimate, uh, illegitimate tracks, <laughs> I, I think it's very much a question also of realizing that this is a platform that's so essential to your growth and existence, right, that you need to learn how to use it. And I don't think yeah. the solution in this problem is to navigate elsewhere, it's to learn how to play with the system. Because if you think about it, right, there's so many guys with like 500 followers on SoundCloud or DJs who play a gig once or twice for 200 bucks per month, right? Those are still in the, in the noise ratio. But a lot of them are starting and trying to get up there to sure. the top top tier, people trying to make music, like really making a living off it. And I think once you get to that tier where you're making music off it, uh, where you're making money off it, you really start also recognizing the importance of being able to manage your rights and your assets. Um, mm. For example, I'll, I'll give you a very practical example. One of our partners here is Mr. Suicide Sheep. I think he has 300,000 followers on SoundCloud. So I'll give you a very practical scenario. Artist comes up to Suicide Sheep. It's like, hey, I have an amazing track. I want you to upload it on SoundCloud and YouTube on the release day, Right. So the guys agree that track goes live on Suicide Sheep SoundCloud, which is super cool, and then someone else decides to use that track 20 minutes after it's been uploaded in a DJ mix or <laughs> uploads it to his channel, right? Then if you remove the major labels from this equation, but just look at this artist, right, then it's absolutely not unreasonable for that artist to say, like, hey, this guy didn't ask me permission. I'd like to take that download down.
0: Sure. People forget you know, that no, some no. of these policies are uh, can be beneficial to us as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. I just I just think it's way easier to be on the sidelines screaming at the game than if you're actually participating, right?
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I have a statement from you that was uh, in an, an article you wrote uh, talking about SoundCloud, and it says, The freedom to do whatever you want with music is at the core of what has driven the community of SoundCloud, and it's extraordinary traction with electronic music fanatics, and I think that's key. I mean, like you said, I really do. I I feel the same way. I feel like that the people at SoundCloud are really trying to do what's best for their customers in general. And you know, I don't think that this is some big cash grab corporate decision that they're just slamming down because they have the clout now, uh, which is what. Some people how some people tend to react. I mean, I I truly believe that they're they're really trying to do what is necessary to to maintain this platform that has been so advantageous to us up until now that uh, otherwise isn't going to survive. This podcast is hosted via SoundCloud. I switched to SoundCloud not only because of the features and the convenience and, and you know being able to easily embed streams wherever and that sort of thing, but so if you scroll back like on my Facebook timeline for Passionate DJ, like a year and a half, you'll see a picture that I posted that was a little gift package that SoundCloud sent me. Um, I was having a, a one-year anniversary party for Passionate DJ and was mm-hmm. giving away little gift bags. They were a handful amongst a handful of people that I contacted and saying, hey, uh, my audience loves you. We were wondering if you would like to contribute anything, and they sent me like a whole bunch of stickers and buttons, like SoundCloud-branded SoundCloud stuff that I could include in these gift bags, which was cool. But uh, the coolest part was they, whoever sent it to me sent a handwritten note. And it said, okay. congratulations on your one-year anniversary. Uh, thank you for your uh, participating in the community at SoundCloud or something like that. So I've got that hung up and uh, you know close to my DJ booth now. I thought that was really cool that they took the time to do that. And that made a big impression on me to where I wanted to, to be like, okay, let me figure out what's in their heads and what they're doing here because they they seem to care.
1: For sure, yeah. I, I think I think a lot of that is company culture, and I think leaders dictate that. And for as far as I understand and have experience, this is a group of people trying to do something cool, uh, and it's, it's enabled us to do a lot of cool things too, so...
0: And SoundCloud's yeah, not it. not paying me to say any of this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they are not a sponsor of the podcast. So, Booty, what are some things? Uh, maybe a couple simple tips. Uh, I don't want uh, I, I want everybody to read your book, and I'll ask you where they can get that uh, here shortly. But uh, maybe just a couple of things that uh, DJs or producers can do uh, to maybe increase their their growth and or their engagement. On SoundCloud specifically, uh, sure. assuming they already have a SoundCloud SoundCloud profile, uh, mm-hmm. what are some tips that they can either build their audience or uh, better cater to their audience on that platform?
1: Whenever I answer this question, right, there's one thing I always want to communicate very clearly, and that is that if you're really looking to succeed as a musician, you got to make sure that you have an exceptional product. And Even if you pull the best marketing strategies in the world, if you have mediocre music, then that's not going to make a difference, right? Right. Um, So before you get to any SoundCloud marketing, I would take your content, I would take music of the five people you most admire, I would put that side by side, and I would try and objectively judge if you're coming even 80% close. If not, your time is best spent first refining the product. Because what I see is that the artists that I do management for that succeed – have had a track record of at least five years of making music ten hours a day consistently before they reach the point where they get overnight success. So like they say, you know, uh, overnight, overnight success takes a long time. I think that's very true and something that a lot of people miss. So that's a reality you've got to be aware of. So
0: this is not a case of uh, throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. This is wait until you get it right.
1: Well, it depends on your goal, right? I mean, if you have a DJ mix and you just hope for 200 people to listen to it, then maybe my marketing strategies will make the difference. But they will really make a difference when you have an exceptional product and you know you're good enough to be able to make a living off this and then you properly market it. Now, assuming you have that, right, a few actionable steps would be Of course, make sure you have unified branding. So as an artist, you need to have a signature visual style that needs to be throughout in all your social profiles. That means that your Facebook needs to look somewhat similar to your SoundCloud, to your Twitter, to your whatever. That means that your artwork needs to be in line with that so that when people see your visuals, they think of your music, and when they hear of your music, they see your visuals. That's one of the simple steps. Another thing I would do is that on SoundCloud... There's um, an Explorer tab, which allows you to listen to music in different categories. For example, electronic, deep house, whatever. Now, SoundCloud's search algorithm is linear. So that means that the only keywords that get indexed on the Explorer tab right, are the first keywords that you enter into an uploaded track. Now, there is an algorithm that sort of tries to figure out what kind of tracks fit within what categories, but you okay. greatly improve your chances of being indexed if your keywords are right. In other words, if you make a deep house track and you label it candy, but it gets a lot of plays, it might be indexed. Whereas if you get a deep house track and you tag it deep house, the chance it will get in with less plays is way higher.
0: Gotcha. And so you're talking about like the tags that you put in when you upload a track?
1: Yes. Gotcha. And people should also know that any tags, further than the first, are not actually used for indexing.
0: Wow. Okay. <clears throat> so they're
1: there, but they don't actually do anything.
0: So they, do they, they don't do anything at all, or they just do they affect they, the algorithm at all, or the search? They
1: help. They help in the search, but they don't really help towards the indexing. So even though they might find them more findable, the first results, even in a search, not on the Explorer, are typically going to be the ones which correlate with the genre tag that's first entered.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Another piece of actionable advice is to uh, properly use the reposting feature, right? Uh, What many people don't realize is that you're able to repost something, then you can un-repost it, and you can repost it again. And it it gets, gets pushed to your audience. So, for example, if you have a track that came out on a label, and the label uploaded your track, then you could repost it once a day. I would recommend it peak hours, right? So, for example, uh, 10.30 a.m. PST to repost it every day for, like, two weeks.
0: Okay. So this is... Uh, so it, it, and rather than reposting, like, just random things that you like, you're saying, like, if somebody has a release that's uh, related to you in some way, you can repost it not just once, but you can. this is something that you can make part of a daily routine... To, uh, yeah. In order to kind of throw it in front of people's uh, feed or whatever you want to call it.
1: Absolutely. So, for example, our heroic Lego page has like twenty-five thousand followers, but we try and publish something towards our audience on SoundCloud once a day. So, if we don't upload something ourselves, we'll make sure to repost something of an artist of ours, right? Okay. And if we already reposted it, we un-repost it. We do it again.
0: Do you know? Is there any way to automate that yet? I'm sure there is. I don't think that's necessary, though. Okay.
1: Because, there's, there's a reason I say this. We notice that when we repost, for example, the same track for more than a week, we'll actually get our followers just commenting like, hey guys, we love your music, but you've been reposting this so many times. Could you please calm down? Right? And that's of course the point when we stop. But it means (laughs) that people actually don't mind that you need to, you need to curate that content as if you would, if you were a listener and it was pushed to you, right?
0: Probably similar to a Twitter approach for anybody who's doing any Twitter marketing, you know, you can. It doesn't have an algorithm that changes when you see it. It, it, I assume it just pops up when it's reposted, right? Like if you if you do a repost, it just shows up in Mm -hmm. the feed. It's not like uh, it's going to try to cater it to who they think wants to hear it um, based on some algorithm. So uh, in Twitter, kind of operates the same way. It's just an all-in. Whatever pops up at that time is what shows up.
1: Yeah, certainly. And then a last thing I'm going to add is that something that has been a trend recently, especially with uh, the Facebook like the download app failing, is uh, like-to-download applications for SoundCloud and YouTube. Now, very few people notice because we haven't really publicly gone live yet, but my team has actually developed a service. It's called Unlock This. We're uh, a content delivery platform uh, that has like gating functionality, so you could exchange whatever, whether an mp3, a zip file, a wave to your audience in exchange for a follower on SoundCloud or on YouTube or on Twitter or oh, okay. on Facebook,
0: actually. So this will be like a, a sort of portal that uh, that does this for multiple platforms?
1: Absolutely. We're, oh. we're adding a ton of new features now, so you're actually able to get into the platform already if you invite a friend who you think would be interested too. Um, so, so we already have a, a quite broad user base of tastemakers who are using this to grow okay. their audience because, like we were discussing before, not so many people buy downloads. You could ask your audience to pay, but instead in social currency.
0: So it kind of sets up a, a social pay gate for, for those who have, have a loyal enough audience that they would be willing to perform whatever call to action Absolutely. So something you
1: see, you see happening a lot is people would say a thousand followers on SoundCloud. They publish a track, they go to unlock this, they make a campaign and they edit (coughs) that campaign into the buy link of the SoundCloud upload and they customize the text to uh, free download or something. So that when someone listens to the track on SoundCloud, they can click free download, come to unlock this, follow the person on SoundCloud, get the MP3 or whatever.
0: Okay, great. So, uh, Booty, this has been great. I uh, really appreciate you being with us and just giving us tons of great information. Uh, love the action items. Thank you. really appreciate that. Uh, I wonder if you can tell uh, my listeners, well, a little bit more about the SoundCloud Bible, uh, what they might read and discover and learn, and uh, where they can get it. Yeah, just, I would love for uh, – I'm sure I'm not the only one that wants to, to give it a read. I haven't read all the way through. I read the the, the sample chapter and – and immediately knew that this was good stuff. So, uh, what else is is uh, is within this great resource?
1: Thank you. First, <laughs> sure. um, SoundCloud Bible is basically um, an ever-growing guide that I wanted to be the most extensive guide on SoundCloud out there. Like I just explained, our, our, our reasons for for really recognizing SoundCloud is such a useful tool. Uh, is why I wrote the book, and I just launched the second edition, which includes advice on how to understand the platform if you're a novice to insider tips and tricks that you can use to get more out of it if you're an expert user. That also means that we go, I go far beyond into content strategies, so how to really start developing momentum as an artist uh, to build a career. For example, like what we did with Sam Holo, who's now over 100,000 followers tips on how to get blog coverage, how to get signed by a record label, but also actionable advice on how to set up a a great account, get more plays on your uploads. Um, It is really the most extensive guide on the subject.
0: So it sounds like it's not only directed at kind of the mechanics of SoundCloud, but kind of how to promote yourself socially and online in general, and how to do that utilizing SoundCloud. Uh, Is that a fair statement?
1: Absolutely. Right. I tried to, I try to make it so comprehensive, right, that you could take that book, and if you have any ambition to be a successful musician, or music industry professional, or even if you're not a musician, but you're doing something that requires an online brand, right, uh, for example, a podcast, that this would teach you how to firstly navigate the platform properly, then secondly, give you an understanding of what kind of strategies underlie the success of successful musicians, artists, brands, whatever, and then to give you actionable advice on how to actually do that. So tactics on making your strategy happen.
0: Fantastic. Now, I know that you – I was looking at your site, and you offer kind of some different packages um, for people who want to purchase. I should clarify that the SoundCloud Bible is a digital product, right? It's uh, like an e-book. Absolutely. And then you've got these kind of different tiered packages that you can purchase. Uh, Could you explain those?
1: Certainly. Um, There's the complete package, which gives you the book. Uh, It gives you a Skype session with me where I look at all your music, your online presence, social media, give you my thoughts, critiques, strategies, and how you can improve. And I think what people find most valuable is that I always let them... uh, I let them ask me a number of questions or, or things they need direction of so that re- they could really get my personal attention uh, on solving okay. those issues.
0: Great. So um, I will. Uh, where can uh, my listeners find all this uh, information as far as if they want to download the, the SoundCloud Bible and maybe if anybody's interested in your uh, consultation and stuff, uh, where should they go?
1: You can go to my website, which is bootyvoke.com which I'm sure you'll provide a link of. Absolutely. I've about uh, about the music industry there. Um, it also has a link to my book, which you will find if you go to my website. And,
0: uh, yeah. Okay. Cool and check out the label. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right before I started this recording, I, I listened to a couple tracks on the, I think it was your latest release, and, uh, was was thoroughly impressed. It's very cool stuff, and I can't wait to go and and explore it more because it sounds uh, right up my alley as a DJ. Actually, <laughs> so yeah, it, was, cool. it was pretty cool to uh, to discover that after we had already scheduled the interview that this is uh, this is a label that I'm interested in checking out anyway. So, Booty, do you have any last minute marketing advice for DJs and producers?
1: Not necessarily marketing advice. I think if I were to give advice, it comes back to the product thing. It is. Make sure that when you start putting an effort to promote yourself that you are in a position with a product or a service that's so good that you're actually able to compete. And that the only thing that really differentiates whether you have the potential to, to break through or not is hard work. Like really, all the guys that succeed, even though it seems like success, uh, being a sellout, having the right connections... What underlies all of that is hours and hours and hours of hard work. So if you want to do it, you can. Just work hard.
0: Booty, this has been an amazing interview. This is so much great information. Um, Everything that we discussed today, all the resources, will be available in the show notes. And um, I'll also, in case uh, people aren't uh, sure how to spell your name um, or whatever, I'll I'll post a, uh, let's see, I'll make it passionatedj.com forward slash scbible and it'll just uh, uh, hopefully forward straight to uh, your page for people who want to pick that up. I'm certainly going to pick it up and give it a thorough read. Thank you so much for joining us today, Booty. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, that concludes my awesome interview with Booty Voked. Definitely check out the SoundCloud Bible. Just uh, head to the show notes for this page, PassionateDJ.com forward slash 015 and you will get to all the resources mentioned in this episode of the podcast don't forget if you want to submit a question to the podcast just go to passionate dj.com forward slash ask you can leave me a voicemail and uh, we'll have a chat right here on the show and i'll do my best to get your questions answered take care and we'll see you next time for episode 16 Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com
1: slash passionate DJ or on Twitter at DJ with Passion.
0: And always remember to you. keep on spinning.
1: I need you.